a bum. Look at the freaking scoreboard. You are not close. You play to win the game. Why can't the New York Jets ever have nice things? I don't mean to sound like the get off my lawn guy, but get off my freaking lawn with that. I forgot what it's like to win football games. I mean, you can't make it up with this team. Happy Victory Monday, Jake. Only our gang's all here. We love it. Welcome back to Gangs All Here, our Jets podcast from the New York Post. It's Jake Brown here alongside Brian Costello. Welcome back to the program this week as the Jets will take on the Dolphins down in South Beach on Sunday. We'll be joined later in the show by a very brief former Jets receiver for about five games, but had a tremendous NFL career left out of the Hall of Fame for now, maybe one day. He does get in. That would be Derek Mason, who is the all-time leading Ravens receiver. Cause we'll talk with D. Mace later on. But first, the Jets, not a whole lot going on this week. COVID is running rampant, Cause. But I will say this over the weekend, we discussed this before the show. Some some good news is that I found a Dustin Keller jersey at the thrift shop. Shout out to Buffalo Exchange here in Astoria. And you're looking at me now in a Tim Tebow jersey, who was a former Jet as well for for one year. And uh what do you think of this purchase? What, what do you think of Tim Tebow, Florida Gator, and Dustin Keller is your guy? How much did you pay? Jake? I think they were like twenty bucks each, maybe. Oof, yeah, that's too much. What? If you're gonna tell me, if you're gonna tell me you got them for five bucks each, I'd give you that. Five bucks. Like, you know. This isn't Mark Sanchez. I mean, come on, this is Tim Tebow here. No, I do have a Sanchez one too, but not from a thrift shop. That's when he was on the Jets. Five dollars is hard to come. Do you by. ever wear it? Do you wear a Sanchez? Uh, I think it's now? home like, down in your, North South Carolina. I don't think I have. What one. are your What are your rules of engagement for jersey wearing, Jake? Are you okay with another man's name on the back of your jersey? Are you? What's your feeling? What do you mean another? man's name well like some people some people do not as as adults do not like to wear jerseys with someone else's name on them like does, does it say tebow on the back of that yeah. jersey right, so you have no clearly have no problem with that yeah what no, do you think it's gonna say brown like, on the back you think i have a customized well, every team? that's a whole other thing like some people do that which that I, that's like really wacky but some people just don't wear the jersey or they would get a jersey like a yankee jersey that doesn't have a name on it you know or something like that well it's different because yankee jerseys are meant to not have the name that's their thing but, you know, I don't like to wear teams that I hate. I'll wear players I like. You'll never catch me in a Yankee jersey. Like, I don't understand. Well, you're going to have a – you're going to hit an age, though, Jake. And you're probably – what, you're 30, right? 30, you know, yeah. 30. You're right on the cusp, right? Like, where you're at an age where, like, am I really wearing a 22-year-old guy's jersey? Like, you have – so Tebow, Keller, those were guys you watched when you were a much younger man. But, like, will you be like – how would you feel about wearing a Zach Wilson jersey? He's got to show me something before I buy his jersey. I, I was immediate to buying the Francisco Lindor jersey because he had a 10-year contract. So I'm like, he's going to be here a while. If he sucks, well, it was a waste. If not, he's not going to be gone for a while. Wilson, I just don't know. It's too early. And as he's playing right now, no shot I'm getting a Zach Wilson jersey. What's the worst jersey you have in your closet, Jake? Like the worst purchase you made jersey-wise? I have a lot of shirts. So Mets jerseys. I have like Timo Perez, Siyoshi Shinjo. <laughs> uh, I have some classic. Shinjo. Shinjo is one of my favorites. Uh, Jay Payton. I have, these are the T-shirt Ooh. jerseys, not like the authentic. Okay. Authentic, so that's not I have Pennington, Vilma. Well, authentic, I mean just like a jersey like this. Not like always stitched on. Pennington, Vilma, Sanchez. 
Lavernius Coles, Jason Kidd, Kerry Kittles, Giants. I had Shockey. I had a Tiki Barber Super Bowl jersey. It's a wide, you know, none of them are on the team anymore. So that's the thing with getting jerseys now. It's tough because they're not on the team. And I won't be getting a Josh Johnson jersey, guys, because he's he's going to the Ravens. I, I was excited to see some more Josh Johnson. One of my favorite things to do, Jake, during the National Anthem is to look through the crowd at the jerseys. What do you see? I look at it. The Le'Veon jerseys always make me laugh. Like those poor people that bought the Le'Veon jerseys. There's still Tebow Jets jerseys. Again, Favre, you still see Favre. Remember how popular the Favre jersey was? I had was one. Yep, Jets? I had Favre. There you go. So that, you know, I don't know about that purchase. Favre was, I ordered it that night. The excitement that night when they signed Brett Favre was unbelievable. Even though he was probably finished, you were like, holy bleep, we just got Brett Favre. And I remember the jerseys like sold out, but I ordered it immediately when it happened that was a monster move at the time and none of these guys ever last that's the problem with jerseys these days there's very rarely lifers with one team yeah buy a joe namath jersey that's always my advice to jets fans i think my dad that, has that, that, goes, yes. that doesn't go out of style yeah i might have know, to get so. a broadway joe jersey well COVID is running rampant what do you know what is the number it's like 75 guys the last two days the browns are getting screwed by it the Jets don't have COVID, but they have some non-COVID illnesses, including Mike White staying on the COVID list. What the hell is going on here in the NFL and the world? Well, it's the world, Jake. Yeah, I mean, the NFL really for the last two years has been a microcosm of what's going on in the world, you know, and you've seen it, you know, when they battled through it last year and a lot of games got messed up last year. There was games on Tuesdays and Wednesdays some weeks because of COVID. So and now the numbers are going up everywhere with the Delta variant and it's going up in the NFL too. So yeah, the Jets are gone all virtual this week. Uh, they did that on their own. Uh, other teams have been, you have to do it if you get to a certain number, but the Jets did it proactively and partly because of COVID, partly because they they have a flu bug running through them too, which is why Austin Walter didn't play Sunday. So, you know, I, I think we're going to get to a point where we're, it's a lot like last year where guys aren't in the building. Austin Walter, who I had a, to emergency pick up for fantasy because of bye weeks and illness. And I was like, you have to be kidding me. And uh, lost in the playoffs in the tiebreaker. And yeah, it's, it's scary, man, because, uh, you know, things are going to start getting shut down again. And the world's this thing's been going on two years now. The first case was two years ago. I mean, it is unbelievable. It's like it's never going to end. And, you know, we're in this final month as we're looking for things to watch for the Jets. And, you know, the mock drafts have started. I mean, always too early, yes. way too early. You got a lot of feedback, you know, on your tweet that was saying Todd McShay, what Todd McShay was saying about the draft. And a lot of people disagree with McShay. LSU cornerback Derek Singley Jr. for Notre Dame safety Kyle Hamilton at nine. Two defensive backs. We have seen this before, guys, in first round with defensive backs. I know it's early, but because it is a topic that has come up, are you in the camp of going after two defensive backs with their first two picks no no i i would go one for sure cornerback I, I don't necessarily think i'd hit safety that early in the draft although kyle hamilton's a great player i think the equation changes jake if who do we have on leger the other day talking about could they trade down with that second pick and i think the equation changes if you're now drafting in the teens rather than the top 10 but to me you know if you're going to go defense defense it's got to be cornerback and edge rusher uh, that to me is the way to go. And if you're going to go defense offense, I think offensively, if that tackle from Alabama is there, I might take him to, and then the uh, wide receivers, I would think about that too. But no, I don't, I don't think defensive back defensive back is what they'll do. Yeah, I agree. And I think they have to get, a defensive back first just because they have no one really there you get lost in back so i don't think you need a top 10 pick to be a pass rusher you can maybe get that later but defenses is what they need to address there's going to be a lot of it coming in the draft so we'll see what happens and the jets take on the dolphins this week cause 
a real doozy. Six and seven. The Dolphins here, guys, are right in the thick of a playoff race. It's a five-way tie for the last two playoff spots at seven and six. They win this game. They're potentially tied for a playoff spot. What a turnaround for a team that I think we had higher expectations than what their record is. They've definitely played below what we thought. But they're right back in this thing and nothing to kickstart your playoff race like taking on the Jets at home on Sunday. Yeah, well, and they're getting them twice, really, in this this run that they're on, right? Because the, the run, I think, started the week before they played the Jets, maybe, or they 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 were they were already winning at that point, but they beat the Jets at the Meadowlands, and now they're, they're still going. And they're a different team with Tua in there uh, than Jacoby Brissett. They had him playing for a while. Now Tua looks like he's found a nice rhythm. The defense is playing really well. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the Dolphins do down the stretch and if they can sneak into the playoffs. Yeah, it started the week before they beat the Ravens. Then they beat right, the Jets on Thursday night. with Flacco. Right. And this is Zach Wilson's first start of, you would think, many against the Dolphins when you play them twice a year. Then they beat the Panthers, the Giants. So a couple cakewalk teams in there. They'll get another one potentially Sunday. And then they have Saints, Titans, Patriots. So a tough final couple of games there. But, hey. I mean, we'll see what they can do. Two has been interesting. The defense is finally playing a lot better and, and living up to the means. It's Greg Gumbel, Adam Archuleta on the call. Hard Rock Stadium, 1 p.m. Sunday. The Jets are eight and a half point underdogs, Kaz. Make your pick. Well, Jake, I picked the Jets the last two weeks. Well, actually, three weeks. One week I was right. And then the two weeks, last two weeks, I've been very, very, very wrong. So I'm done picking the Jets, Jake. I'm done. I'm done. I do think they can cover here. It's eight and a half. Is that what you said? I'll go Dolphins 17, Jets 10 in a slog of a game dominated by defense. God, this, this is the score <laughs> predictions are bad. They <laughs> they just sound unwatchable when you hear 17-10. I mean, even the Giants scored 21 uh, in what was supposed to be a bloodbath last week. Yeah, I can't pick them. I, I was going to pick against them last week, and you shocked me, so then I changed my pick. No changing this week. I'm going to say 20-13. to 13. The Dolphins Ooh. end up winning in a sloppy one, and Eddie Pinheiro saves the carries of the Jets once again. You know he's missing a kick Sunday, right? Yeah, that has to happen. He's going to hit like three field goals, and the Jets will get like two safeties. Like They'll do anything to just not score a touchdown, but we need to see improvement from Zach Wilson here. And this is the checkout season. We talk about Leger. There might be guys who are feeling 90, but not 100% who aren't going to play. Or there's guys who are ill. They can play, but they're like, oh, I'm on a 3-10 and 10 team. But there are a lot of young players who are fighting for roster spots in the future and fighting to maybe go somewhere else in the future as well. So we are taking... They get guys back this week, Jake, too. They get a lot of guys back. Who are they getting back this uh, week that... Michael Carter, the running back, will be back. Oh, Kevin Coleman will be back. So you got those two backs. Tyler Croft at tight end will be back. They do not get receivers back, so that's going to be a challenge for Zach. They're getting Michael Carter, the DB, back on defense. They're getting Bryce Huff, the pass rusher, back as well. So there's some reinforcements coming there. They got a little bit healthier this week, but receiver's still a big issue. I did not realize the running back, Michael Carter, was coming back, so we could finally see if he can develop alongside Zach Wilson. Because that was our worry. Elijah Moore played great with everyone else. Um, now we get to see Carter. Carter and Carter, the law firm is back. And I guess it only took a week to Miami. It took a trip to Miami and South Beach for everyone to be like, all right, now I'm 100%. Now I'm ready to go. It's not quite South Beach, Jake. I don't know. Have you ever been to a Dolphins game? Uh, I've been I've been on a tour in the stadium. I knew someone who worked there, so I've yeah, been there. It's yeah. like the 
it's like off of I ninety five. It's it's not really south. It's a Beach. bit of a drive. It's Miami Gardens, I believe, is the uh, dateline for that place. Uber will yeah. get them to Club Live on Sunday potentially. Well, I assume the Jets will go home after the game. I think the Jets game. will be flying but home. I don't think they'll be going any. When clubs. do they get, do they get in on Saturdays or Friday? They get in Saturday. So for Miami, they get in on a Saturday. If they were going West Coast, you'd you'd fly on a Friday usually. Or like Denver this year, they flew to Denver on a Friday, but. Miami will be a Saturday. I was going to say, if it's Friday, they will be at the clubs. But it's a Saturday. I would hope that they're better than they won't be, and they'll go to bed at an early hour. And they usually stay in the middle of nowhere. They're not staying on South Beach. Now, do you you get their Saturday? They stay at a golf course. Yes, I get their Saturday. Are you at the club? Is Kaz Kaz at the club? No. I can I can say that definitively. I will be land. I'm landing after seven o'clock. I'll be at my hotel. Maybe get some dinner. Yeah, where are you eating? What's and the cause eats from Miami? So there's a great great restaurant in Fort Lauderdale that Canizero turned me on to. Uh, Cafe Martirano is phenomenal Italian place. So I think I might hit there Saturday night. A few of the boys I think are going to Joe Stone Crab down in Miami. Which is Can't great. Special. He knows the Maitre D, right? He knows the Maitre D. Yes, but I um I'm getting a little late, and I'm staying in Fort Lauderdale, so I think I'm going to be skipping Joe's this year. All right. Well, I am trying to go to Super Bowl weeks at Cos, so I assume you will be there. So I'm working on it. From what I hear, there's really not going to be a Super Bowl week, so I'll probably be going in for the game. Is there really um, like no? Yeah, they're, radio they're not row parties. I don't know what the radio party situation is going to be, but there's the players are not like the teams are not going to be there. The teams are going to come in for the game because it's the COVID. They're not going to. I don't think it's finalized, Jake, but that I that's the way they're leaning. And I, with the current state of affairs, I don't think I don't see things changing by February. Yeah, interesting. Well, hopefully the parties are gone because that is my birthday is the fifth and the Super Bowl is the thirteenth. Super Bowl is a week later because this stupid extra week, February thirteenth. All right, let's play a little stump the cause. Cameron is not here, but he has put in some questions. And uh, they look pretty difficult. So, ah, <laughs> oh, come on. Let's, let's see what the interns got. All right, number one. Which former Jets punter owns the record for the longest punt in NFL history? Oh, and how God, long was it? Sixties. That's the guy from the sixties. It is the sixties, correct? Yeah. I don't know. I, I know. I've, heard, I've seen it. It's against the Broncos. I can tell you that. Do you know how um, long the punt was? It's pretty freaking long. <laughs> Ninety-one yards, something like that. Steve O'Neill in 1969 blasted a 98-yard punt from his own one-yard line. That bounce must be incredible. I'm gonna have to look for that clip now because I'd imagine that's how it did. All right, so there you go, stumped over one. That is a tough one. Good God. Yeah, I know. I've seen the clip. I knew that the Jets guy had. I just you know 1969. Cameron is unleashing his intern wrath right now with that kind of question. All right, number two. This one's is he getting credit? for this internship, Jake? Is that what he's getting? Uh, I think they, they pay interns now. These these kids have it good. They get paid to get interns. Where, and where does Cameron go to school? Syracuse. Remember the orange? Oh, yes. Christ. Yes. Rich Samini. And I'm going to have to talk to Samini about making sure this kid doesn't get out of school. Zero credits, zero dollars for your work. All right, number two. Which Jets QB holds the record for most fumbles in a single game? It's oh, such a Jets stat. And how many times? It's not as hard as you would think. But it's a scary number. Most fumbles in a game? Jets quarterback, most fumbles in a game. I'll give you a clue because it's, so, it's from the two, yeah, it's probably 2000s. It's from the 2000s. I'll go Sanchez. Chad Pennington. Uh, Pennington, okay. Fumbled the ball six times in 2005. Damn, that's another tough question. You would have thought it's Sanchez from 
all the picks and fumbles that he had. It is Chad. All right, 0 for 2. Wow. I mean, come on, Cameron. These are brutal. Hey, hey, he, he like, came with the heat. I'll give him this, credit. This should be like um, like in the Mad Dog Super Bowl. It should be like the first question's easy, and then they progressively get harder, right? What kind of fan are you, <laughs> Joe Stonecrab fan. A Joe's fan. Right? It should be like the marquee. Yeah, we need the music, and, and I need a wig. I need to look like George Washington. Yeah. All right, number three. This is for your trip to Los Angeles. Which Jets DE got 107 and a half quarterback sacks in his first 100 starts? DE. Uh, Gassinum? Correct. He has got one of the three. There we go. It is Mark Gassinum. That is correct. All right, number four. We got two more. Who was the first New York Jet inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame or pro football? Don Maynard. Webb Eubank. Weeb. Weeb. Come on. Weeb. <laughs> oh, that's not easy. Weeb Eubank, 1978. There that's you go. That's kind of cheap. I was thinking player. I wasn't thinking coach. All right. So I'll give you a half point, I guess, on that one. All right. Last one. This is for the trip. Cue up the audio. How many winning seasons did the New York Jets have during the 1970s? This one, he has given you multiple choice. How nice of you. How many winning seasons did the Jets have during the 70s? A, 0, B, 2, C, 4, D, 6. A, 0. Correct. It is 0. Wow, that's a trick question. Good job there. Yeah. They, had, right. a lot of, they had a bunch of 8 and 8, or 7, and, like actually it was 7 and 7, I think, then. It was 14 games until... 77 they, they had a bunch of seven and sevens and 500 it's funny because i've looked at that 70s a lot in the last 10 years because that's the decade that jets fans talk about as the lost decade right not they no playoffs from 1970 to 1980 not you know no playoffs 81 they made it and i started looking at that you know probably five years ago or something when the jets when this was getting to be like Six years without the playoffs, seven years. Like, and now we're at 11 years, Jake. It's as long as that stretch. And this period of time has been worse in terms of losing seasons than that time. Yes. That decade was full of partying because they had just won a Super Bowl. And there was sex, drugs, and rock and roll, afros, disco ball, Studio 54. And so. now we have COVID. Now we have COVID. So this makes this is much worse because we have a pandemic and they suck. At least they had a ring and they just partied for a decade and then went back. There's been no partying uh, since then. After the 70s, it's been uh, a lot of losing and depression. Well, a guy who doesn't know much about Jets losing because he was only for five games, but was a winner in his career with the Ravens and Titans, is Derek Mason, the former wide receiver, and he joined Gangs All Here next. Hey, this is Derek Mason, former NFL player, and you're listening to Gangs All Here. Mason from the 20. 35, 40. Midfield, and there he goes. McCann, end touchdown, Derek Mason. Mason, he's got it. Touchdown, Tennessee. 30 goal. Up straight. Caught by Mason. Touchdown, Tennessee. Bullock, fade pattern, jump ball. Mason's got a touchdown. Burning Warfield. George in the backfield. McNair to throw. McNair comes in. Corner of the end zone. Caught by Mason. That montage was courtesy of CBS. And now for our special guest, Jake, take it away. Joining us now on Gangs All Here is a wide receiver that played 15 seasons in the NFL from 97 to 2010 for the Titans and Ravens, but also a season with the Jets and Texans. In 2011, he was a two-time Pro Bowler. 
He caught 943 balls, 12,061 yards, 66 receiving touchdowns, over 5,000 return yards and three touchdowns. He's the Ravens' all-time leader in receptions and receiving yards. He had eight 1,000-yard seasons. Let's give a warm gangzel here. Welcome to number 85, the pride of Detroit, Michigan, Derek Mason. D Mace, it's Jake Brown and Brian Costello. Welcome to the show. How are you? <laughs> hey, I'm doing well. I like your introduction. I hadn't got an introduction like that in over 10 years. <laughs> well, D Mace, you're talking to the best in the business here. You were one of the best in the business at receiving. So I should be reading that intro to you in Canton. I mean, I'm frustrated a little bit, but you know, when I was looking at your numbers last night, this morning, thinking, and I know you, you would believe the same that you should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, yeah, I do, but unfortunately, um, it's not up to me. You know, there are guys with less numbers that are in, um, that are guys that have better numbers that are still not in. So I don't know how the Hall of Fame I, doesn't have any rhyme or reason. I think, in my opinion, the Hall of Fame was built for offensive linemen, um, and defensive linemen because those guys don't get recognized. And then it sort of morphs into something else. But, you know, hopefully one day I get in. The numbers there, if you're, just based upon production and numbers and what I did with two different franchises, yeah, I should be in. 2011, your stint with the Jets here. Uh, how much have you been paying attention to the, the current Jets? Uh, have you watched them much? Have you seen much of Zach Wilson? I haven't seen too much of them. I watched them play here and there. But you keep up with that team from afar, this team that drafted Zach Wilson in, in the first round and expected him to come in and, and progress as a, as a rookie quarterback. I don't think they came in and asked him to be the savior. I hope they did. They did the same thing with um, Sanchez, and you saw what happened. He had two good years, but then ultimately it started to go downhill. I don't think it was Sanchez's fault. I just think, you know, they they put too much on him too early in his career. Um, and I, I hopefully it doesn't happen that way uh, with Zach Wilson, where they're asking him to do too much too early because they're looking at other quarterbacks that, that have been inserted into the star lineup as rookies, and they've done well. Well, he's not doing well, and there are a bunch of other guys that are not doing well. So I hope they are not asking him to, you know, carry his franchise for the first couple of years. I just hope they're not. Yeah, D. Mace, you might be better off not watching these games. They are quite ugly, and and alcohol is usually involved for Jets fans trying to get through three hours of pain and suffering. I bet you didn't think that the, you know, the short time you were with the Jets in 2011 would be the start of this team not making the playoffs again. I mean, you know, Brian Costello started on the Jets beat full-time. You came to the Jets, and since then, they haven't been to the playoffs. A strange decade, right, for a team to just not, you know, come close to the playoffs besides one season finishing 10-6. and six. Yeah, you're right. Are you blaming it on Brian and I? Uh, <laughs> yes, I am. Sounds like it, D-May. So we don't advertise that around here, Jake, that I started in 2011. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think he's I think he's blaming it on both of us but no um, no you, you never especially a franchise that you know prior to me getting there that went to you know back-to-back playoffs that back-to-back playoff run with a AFC championship game um, so you thought that the way they put that team together that they would have long-lasting success but for some strange reason they just haven't had that type of success now you know they've had different coaches they've had different starting quarterbacks if you want to be a successful franchise if you want want to be a consistently winning franchise you can't 
play musical chairs with your head coach and your quarterback, and that's what they've been doing. When you came to the Jets, it was a strange time because it was the lockout year, you know, and, and guys were getting signed like left and right, right at the beginning of training camp because there was no, there was no true free agency that year. How did that come about? You signing with them? Uh, I know you knew Rex from Baltimore, and just kind of what was your perception of the team? You know, you like you just said, coming off two championship games when you signed there. Uh, I thought it was a really good team. They had the best defense in the National Football League at the time. I had history with uh, with Rex in Baltimore, and I just believe that Sanchez, they were putting him in the right position and surrounding him with uh, individuals that can help him grow as a quarterback. And, you know, for some strange reason, it just didn't happen. But it was just, I, I think maybe you can blame a little bit on it, you know, because of the lockout and guys not being able to have a, a full training camp or a mini camp. Uh, because I didn't come to the team until I think they were a week, a week and a half into training camp. And then I had to pick up an office very quickly. You know, we talk a lot about the standard from winning teams to losing. And you come from Baltimore, which is the standard for winning. You know, they won Super Bowl, Flacco, everything there. And, and they're a winner every year. And then you come to the Jets. And yes, they were winning at the time. But did you feel a culture change or something different going from Titans, Ravens, and then to the Jets? Or was that not as much prevalent back in 2011 as it is now? Yeah, you saw some differences. You know, I went from, you know, the Titans where, you know, we had a lot of success to Baltimore where we had even more success. Um, and then coming to the um, Jets where I assumed because of what they were able to do the prior season, we played against them that they were going to have some success as well. And it just didn't pan out. I can't pinpoint, and I don't want to throw anybody under the bus because that was 10, 11 years ago. There were things going on, but as players, you should be able to overcome a lot of those things. And and we just didn't. You know, we just didn't match as a unit. They had Antonio Holmes, Plexico, and myself, and they expected us to be able to ignite the passing game. And it just didn't happen. For whatever reason, it just didn't happen. My strongest memory of you with the Jets is is not unfortunately not on the field, but in the post game locker room in Baltimore. I think you you laid it out. You laid it out like that was a disaster of a game. And after the game, you're like, I remember what you said. There there are cracks in this offense, and it was like whoa. And I think San Santonio said something too that night similar uh the two of you guys kind of spoke out and it was like okay something's amiss here with this team you were traded i think probably 10 days after that did, did you feel like they traded you because you spoke out possibly there were things that again there were things that happened behind the scenes in regards to me i can't speak with speak on anybody else i can't speak on antonio what he um experienced um i can't speak on plex and what he experienced or or sanchez but i know and you know, for what I experienced behind the scenes, it wasn't what I was used to. It wasn't up front the way I was used to. I was coming from an organization in, in Tennessee where things were up front and no one was, you know, going behind your back or saying anything. I went to another franchise in Baltimore. It was the same thing. Everybody was up front, you know, at least with me. And I got to the Jets and I didn't experience that as the season started to go. You know, I was happy to get out of there. I was happy to go to another team and, and see if I could, you know, get things jump-started again. Um, but it was, it wasn't the greatest, but I did appreciate them bringing me into the organization 
because I was 37 at the time. They brought me into the organization to, to try to help them win, and that I do appreciate. So, But my time ran short, and they traded me. We'll never know. what it, I, Rex Ryan wasn't taking pictures of your toes or your feet or anything, right? There was not, none of that going, <laughs> going on. Uh, Rex was- <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I'm sure that wasn't the issue, but uh, you know, <laughs> do you ever think like I had some great years? I'm not going to throw too much shade in, but like with Kyle Bowler at quarterback, like you put up some big numbers with guy. I mean, we're not talking about elite quarterbacks here. Do you ever think if you had like you know a Tom Brady that you might have some 1800 yard years or, or even bigger years than you had? Uh, possibly, yes, because of the type of offense they were in. I, I believe if, if Steve and I would have started off earlier together in our careers, uh, and if we would have stayed in Tennessee, we would have put up big numbers had he stayed, you know, healthy. Because, um, you know, Steve was, I thought Steve was one of the best. And I think, you know, his playing career got derailed because he took so many you know, massive hits because of the way he played. But yeah, you know, if I would have played with Steve for 15 years or I would have played with Kate Manning or Tom Brady for 15 years uh, consistently, then yes, my numbers would be astronomical right now based upon what the guys that played with those individuals did themselves. So, but, you know, sometimes you can't pick your quarterback. You just try to help them out as much as possible. And, you know, when I went to Baltimore, I had a lot of faith in, in Kyle Bowler. And I think Kyle was in the same situation as Sanchez was in. Starting as a rookie and the weight of the team being on your back, sometimes that's not a good thing. But Kyle, he, he, has, some good, he has some good moments, but he has some moments that I'm pretty sure he wished would have went another way. But I was always, uh, I came from school of thought of, it doesn't matter who's throwing me the ball. I just got to catch it. Another, another young quarterback you played with, D-Mace, is uh, Joe Flacco, who's still going, st- is on the Jets now as a backup. I had two questions about 2008. Did you know he was different? Like, did you know he was different than Kyle Bowler or, or these other guys in 2008? Where did it feel different with him? Also, that year kind of has ruined it for rookie quarterbacks because Flacco and Matt Ryan both went to the playoffs. And since then, it's been like, okay, throw the rookie quarterback in there, let him play, don't let him sit and watch. So I guess just what what that that 2008 experience, what was that like with Flacco? And do you think that's kind of been the template now for people playing early? Um, I think it is a template. I think if you're going to insert a rookie quarterback into the lineup, you've got to have a few things that are going to, you know, allow them to be successful. One is you got to have a really good run game. Um, and we had a good run game when Joe was quarterback his rookie year. Two, you got to have a really good defense. Well, we had a really good defense. And then you have to have guys um, on the offensive side of the ball that are dependable, that are consistent, uh, and that he can trust. And we had that with the Baltimore Ravens. And if you're going to put a rookie quarterback underneath center, that's what you got to have. But Joe was a different dude. He was this, he came in, he wanted to learn, he respected the um, veterans that were there. And he just had a different demeanor about him. His, he had a workmanlike demeanor. He didn't care about, you know, being on television. He didn't care about commercials. He didn't care about anything but winning football games. And I think that's what separated him from a lot of the, you know, rookie quarterbacks at that time. You laughed a little bit. Are, are you shocked that he's still going, that he's, he's still hanging around the league, you know, 15 years later? Yeah, yes and no. You know, I'm not surprised because Joe loves the game. He enjoys playing. And I think deep down that he, he 
he feels he can still be a starting quarterback in this league for someone if given an opportunity. But I laugh because it's just, you know, I, I look at the um, trajectory of, say, like my career, and I ended up in, you know, leaving Baltimore going to the Jets. And then I look at somebody like Ed Reed. He left Baltimore and went to the Jets. Now you look at Joe Flacco. He left Baltimore. He went to a few other places, but he ended up with the New York Jets. So <laughs> Everyone passes through the Jets, D-Mace. Everyone passes exactly. through the Jets. Unfortunately, it's usually toward the end of their career. <laughs> Absolutely. So that's why I was last. Does the Super Bowl and Kevin Dyson, who I've interviewed a few times, who I believe is like was an assistant principal or something, does that one yard short? Do, does that memory live in your head, or or is it over with? Is it something you think about consistently? I don't think about it, you know, much at all. You know, obviously during the playoffs, it comes up a lot because it was one of the. You know, that run we had was one of the best runs in the National Football League. And then they always show that play where Kevin comes up. Basically, it was two yards, a yard and a half short. But, you know, I was with a few of the guys yesterday doing a event, and we were all just laughing about, you know, that whole situation and, and, and making it to the playoffs and then losing to Baltimore the next following year. Um, we got a chance to run up to Billy Davis, so... You know, he had his rings with him, and we were kidding him about that. So, but I don't blame it on Kevin. I, I, I told the guys, I said, I blame it on two people. One, I blame it on Blaine Bishop because Blaine got hurt in the Super Bowl, and Blaine was probably, besides Javon Kurtz, one of our best uh, defensive players. He was an all-pro, pro bowl player at safety, and he got hurt. And then, because Javon Kurtz was so good, he got to the quarterback and hit his arm, which made the ball flutter in the air. And the receiver was able to come back to it, and the defensive back didn't see it. And, you know, the rest is history. He runs in for a touchdown. So, jokingly, I blame it on on, on Blaine Bishop and Javon Kirk because, one, you know, Blaine wasn't playing because he got injured. And then, two, Javon, because he was so good that he got to the quarterback and made, you know, made the throw underthrown and the receiver gets it. So, but other than that, I don't think about it much. <laughs> D. Mays, last one for you. Nick Saban, 95-96. I need to know what Nick Saban was like back then versus now because maybe he's the same, but I, I assume at Michigan State he, he was just a different coach to what he's become today. Well, he had a little bit more spitfire in him. Uh, he was young, very energetic, and you know I think that might have been his first big major collegiate job, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was. And just like any other young coach, you want to come in and you want to set a standard of play. And that's what Coach Saban did. And if you wasn't, if you were not going to buy in to what he was, uh, he and the other coaching staff were preaching, then you were gone. And there were a few guys that eventually uh, were not on that team, you know, that year or, you know, subsequently the year after because they just can't buy into what Coach Saban was trying to do. But I've always said, you can get along with Coach Saban if you do one thing. If you do what he asks you to do, uh, then you're fine. If you come out and work hard on a practice field, you go to class, then he has no problems with you. But if you don't, then that's where the problem's going to come in. That's just like any other coach. But, you know, he had a template. He had a, a, a process. And it started at Michigan State. And it, hell, it probably started before then. But he took a, a, a university and a program and made it a winning program. And then he went to LSU and won a championship. And then, obviously, you know, he's considered the greatest college coach 
of all time. And I don't see any argument in that uh, because of what he has done, not just at Alabama, but what he did at LSU and what he did at Michigan State. Derek Mason had a tremendous NFL career, 15 years. You can follow him on Twitter at DMason85. DMason, appreciate you coming on Gangs All Here. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Uh, same to you, fellas. Enjoy the Christmas and enjoy the New Year. One of the great last names ever, Wild Goose. I've gotten wild off some gray goose. Alrighty, that says adios to episode 92, the Sean Ellis edition. Oh, what a great defensive end of Gangs All Here. Our Jets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Andrew Hartz and the intern Cameron Izaira for helping me produce the show. What a night at the Garden on Tuesday, Hartz. Steph Curry becoming the all-time three-point leader. It's one of those things I had to be at. Find my way in the building. $200, not terrible. They were going for five to 600 got for 200 Usually would never spend that on a regular season game, but that's one of those moments you had to see. Goosebumps watching it. It's something that you tell your grandchildren that you saw because it's a record that will never be broken in the NBA. You could argue it will be, but the fact that he hit it so early when he's probably got, what, six-plus years still left in his career makes you think that no one is ever going to make that many three-pointers again, and it shows you the greatness of the New York sports fan. Getting the standing O, people dropping 600 to go see him. It's one of those events that, you know, you'll always remember. You absolutely made the right call to go last night. And I know $200 for a regular season ticket is a little bit much, but last night was something special. For it to happen at Madison Square Garden, at the Mecca, against the Knicks, because, I mean, of course it's against the Knicks, it's always against the Knicks. I feel like that's how it happens with this franchise for the past 20 years. But you've seen special moments happen on that court with guys like LeBron and Kobe Bryant. Now you can add Steph Curry to another legendary moment at one of the the greatest arenas in the world. Good on Steph for getting it. I don't know if the record will ever be broken. So, yeah, I think you made the right call to go last night. It was scripted. I mean, it was a storybook ending. And if it's not going to happen in his own building, it's got to happen in the garden. I can't imagine that happening in, like, Minnesota or Indiana or Houston. It just was right. The celebs courtside. It's one of those events that I'm so glad I got to go. I got to stand courtside, get a picture courtside after the game. Usually I wouldn't care about a picture courtside, but after that game, I wanted that moment. And that's something I will tell my grandchildren about. Hopefully raise, if I have kids, we'll see the way my love life has gone in the last seven, eight years. Hearts. Who knows if I'll ever have married a kid, but if so, it's a moment you tell them give us a five-star rating for the holiday season write a nice review on apple Podcasts. we appreciate it andrew hartz for brian castello i'm jake brown we will be back on monday following the jets dolphins game down in miami what a doozy folks enjoy the game and thanks for listening peace do you believe in miracles yes